Chapter 2 Birth, Parentage and Early Education Early Childhood, Early Events Memory of them vivid, bitter desolation An active but uneasy life Breaking colts for amusement, amount of sleep Temperament has much to do in the matter of drink The author to blame for his misspent life Inheritances The excellence of my father and mother The road to ruin not willfully trodden The people's indifference to a great danger My associates What became of them the customs of twenty years ago, what might have been. As to my birth, parentage and education, I am the last but one of a family of nine children, seven of whom were boys and of all whom, excepting one brother, are now living. Both brothers and sisters are, without an exception, sober, industrious and honest. I was born in Rush County, Indiana, on the 9th day of September 1847. If there is one spot in all the black waste of desolation about which I cling with fond memory, it is my early childhood. And there is no part of my life that is so fresh and vivid as that embraced in those first early years. I can remember distinctively events which transpired when I was but two years old, while I've forgotten thousands of incidents which have occurred within the past two years. While it is true that in early childhood a dark shadow pale athwart my pathway, making everything somber and painful with an impression of desolation, Yet was my condition happy in comparison with the rayless and pitch blackness which subsequently folded its curtains close about me very being, seeming to make respiration impossible at times and life a nightmare of mockery. Jesus, man, that's harsh, isn't it? <coughs> seeming, do I say, nay, it did, for nothing could be more real than our feelings, no matter how falsely they may be created. The agony of a dream is as keen while it lasts as any other. More so because there is a helplessness about it which makes it harder to resist. Many times, lying in my bed after a disgraceful debauch of days or weeks duration, has my memory winged its way through the realms of darkness, and in the mournful and lonesome past, back through years of horror and suffering to the green and holy morning of life, as it at this moment seems to be, and then rested for an instant on some quiet hour in that dawn which broke tempestuously, heralding the storms which could later gather and break about me. At such times, I could distinctly remember the names and features of all the persons who dwelt in the vicinity of my father's house. Although many of them died long ago or passed away from the neighbourhood, I could at this time repeat word-for-word word conversations which took place 25 years ago. I do not much attribute this to a retentive memory as to the habit I have had of thinking. When my mind was in the condition to think of all that was part of my early life, again and again as the years gather up around me and the valley of life deepens its shadows towards the tomb, do I go back in memory to the day that were. Again and again do I waken to the beauty, the love of the faces and the friends of those days. They are all dear and sacred to me now, though I know they can come no more and that the hollow space of time between the here and there, the now and then, will reverberate forever with the echoes of many voiced sorrows. Could those who meet me look down into the depths of my ghastly and bitter desolation, they would behold more appalling pictures of human agony than ever mortal eyes gazed upon since the opening of day of time, since the roses of Eden first bloom and knew not the blight so soon to darken the earthly paradise by the rivers of the east. But I wander from my subject. I lived and worked on my father's farm until I was 18 years of age. As I have already said, even when a child I found... What the, what's he saying, man? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he had a happy childhood. Okay. Anyway, he goes on. Um, I could not bear the society of my companions, and at such times would wander away alone to meditate and brood over my misery. 
At the very threshold of life, I was dissatisfied and discontented with my surroundings. Yeah, I was ever anxious and uneasy, ever longing for some undefinable, unnameable something. I knew not what, but oh God, I knew the desolation of that feeling which was then mine. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, the sorrow of the grave is lighter than that. My life has always been an active one, restless, uneasy, and full of action. I naturally wanted to be doing something or going somewhere. From the time I was seven years old up to the time I was 15, there was not a calf or colt on the farm that was not thoroughly broken to work or to be ridden. In this work or pastime of breaking in calves and colts, I received sundry kicks, wounds and bruises quite often, and still upon my person some of the marks imprinted by untamed animals. I only speak of these things that the reader may know the character of my temperament, and thus be enabled to judge more correctly of it when influenced and excited by the stimulants which would arouse to rash actions the dullest of organisations. I was invariably the last one to go to bed when night came, but not the last one to rise, for I always bounded out of bed ahead of the others, and in this connection I can assert with truth that for over 20 years I have not averaged over 5 hours of sleep out of every 24 during that time. I have never found in all nature one object or occupation that gave me more than a swift passing gleam of contentment or pleasure. That the reader may clearly comprehend my present condition and partially judge as to my culpability in certain of my acts, I desire that he may know the circumstances and surroundings of my childhood, for I do solemnly ever my sorrows and miseries were not of my own planting in those days. While I believe that some men will be drunkards in spite of almost everything that can be done for their relief, others there are, no matter how surrounded, who never will be drunkards, but solely because they abstain from ever tasting insidious poison. Temperament has much to do with the matter of drink, and it could be known and properly guarded against. I believe that a majority of those having the strongest predisposition to drink, if steps were taken in time, could be saved from its inevitable end, which is madness and death. I would here say to parents that it is their solemn duty to study well the disposition and temperament of their children from the hour of their birth, by proper training and restraint, all wrong impulses might be corrected and the child saved from a life of shameful misery while they would themselves escape the sorrow which would come to them because of the wrongdoing of a child. While no person is particularly to blame for my misspent life, yet I can see day to day how its worse than wasted years might have been years of use and honour. Its every step might have been planted with actions, the memory of which have been a blessing instead of a remorse. I have no recollection of a time when I had not an appetite for liquor. My parents and friends of course knew that if it was taken in excess it would lead to destruction, but in our quiet neighbourhood there was little known of its excesses. No one dreamed of the fearful curse which slumbered in for me to awake, and they had the least dread fear or anticipation of it they would have left nothing undone that being might have saved me. My appetite for it was born with me, and was as much a part of myself as the air I breathed. There are three kinds of inheritance, some of money and lands, some of superior or great talents, and others of misfortunes. For myself, this misfortune was my inheritance. It came not to me directly from my father or mother, but from my mother's father, and seemed to lie waiting for me three or four generations, and the mistakes and passions of long-dead great-grandparents reappeared, devouring and sweeping away whatever does to arrest it on the progress. Never, never in those long gone and innocent years of my childhood did my father or mother dream that I, their much-loved child, would ever become a drunkard. If there is anything good, manly, noble or true that is part of me, I am indebted to them for it. 
They love me and I worship them. The consciousness that I have caused them to suffer so much has been the keenest sorrow of my life. My mother, blessed be the name, is now in heaven. When she died, the light went out of my soul. A pang more poignant than any known before pierced me through and through. My father is still living and I verily believe there is not a son on earth who more truly and devotedly honours and loves his father than I mine. But I desire to show that I am not wholly responsible for my present unhappy condition. It is natural for every man to wish to excuse or at least to try to soften the lines of his mistakes with palliating reasons, and this I think right so long as the truth is adhered to, and injustice is not done anyone. I hope no one will think that I have willfully trod the road to ruin or sunk myself so low when I have desired the opposite with my whole heart. I was a victim of the fell spirit of alcohol before I realised it. I was raised in a place where opportunities to drink were numerous, as everybody in those days kept liquor, and to drink was not the dangerous and disgraceful thing it is now considered to be. For a radius often miles from my house, more people kept whiskey in their cupboards or cellars than were without it. I never heard a temperance lecture until I was 20 years of age, and but seldom heard of one. The people were asleep while a great danger was gathering in the land, a danger which is now known and seen, and which is so vast in its magnitude that it combines strength of all who love peace, order, sobriety and happiness is scarcely sufficient to meet it in its victorious combat. What associates I had in those days were among men rather than boys, and the men I went, well, they drank. They gave whiskey to me and I drank it, and whether they gave it or not, I wanted it. Some of those who gave me drinks are no longer among the living, but neither of them nor of the living would I speak unkindly, nor call up in the memory of one of those who may read this book a thought that might excite a pang. But I would ask any such just to go back 10, 15 and 20 years and tell me where are some of those wealthy, influential men of that time. In the silence of the winding sheet, how many of them have hastened to death through the agency of whiskey, and how few suspected that slowly but surely they were poisoning the wellsprings of life. How many are bankrupts now that might yet be in possession of unencumbered farms, the possessors of peaceful homes, but for that accursed thief, liquor? Look, too, at some of the sons of these men, and say what you see, for you behold lives wrecked and wretched. Near I tell you that has wrought all this ruin? Need I say that intemperance is at the bottom of it? The country where I lived in youth and boyhood was equal if not superior to any surrounding it. My father's neighbours were all kind-hearted, generous people, and some of them, many of them indeed, were good Christians. And yet I repeat that twenty years ago there was not a place or a mile in extent that presented the opportunity for drinking. In every little town and village, whiskey was kept in the public and private houses. There was, and yet is, near my father's farm, two very small but ancient towns, containing each some twenty or thirty houses and both of these places have been cursed with saloons in which liquor has been sold for the last 30 years. Both of these towns were favourite resorts for me, especially the one called Raleigh. I've been drinking oftener and longer at time in Raleigh than at any other one place in Indiana. I've written thus of my birthplace and surroundings, that the reader may know the temptations that encompassed about me, and not to speak against any place or people. The country in my father's neighbourhood is peopled at this time with noble men and women, prosperous, noted for kindness, generosity, unpretending virtue. I think if I had been raised where liquor was unknown and had been taught early childhood the ruin which follows drinking, if I had had this impressed on my mind, I would have grown up sober and happy, now, notwithstanding my inherited appetite. I would have been a sober man instead of a traversing step by step the downward road of dissipation. 
I am easily impressed and in early life might have been taught such lessons as would forever have turned my feet from the wrong and desolation in which they have stumbled so often, in which they have walked so swiftly. Instead of dwelling with the shadows of reality, the most terrible and brooding in the cell of a maniac, I may have now communed with the pure noble of earth. <laughs>